five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Oh, my white balance is flimming around today. It's on auto, which I forgot to turn off. Anyway, um, you don't care, right? Let's get over to the important stuff that you will never hear about anywhere else, probably, but this show. Ford has developed an emoji jacket for bicyclists. Every year, more than 2,000 cyclists are killed wow. on our roads in Europe. But better communication between how many. cyclists and drivers could help reduce accidents. Data thinking. Ford teamed up with language experts to understand how to improve communications between cyclists and drivers. Share the road. The result okay. is this. Emoji the Ford jacket. Emoji <clears throat> jacket. It can convey expressions with a simple symbol. I like the All sorts uh, of problems turn on the road signal. can stem <clears throat> from people not knowing what each other are doing. The speed of processing words and pictures is incredibly fast. You can understand words and pictures in under half a second. Yeah, here's a and good one where the Chinese can knock it off and just put, images put stop on it when you get your brakes to slow and a turn down, signal stop. And they should that you can flip with one finger. allow a driver to understand the desires way and needs of cyclists who are very vulnerable on so the road. Anyway, Emoji could certainly revolutionize. I think it makes sense, but all those pictures are, are just beyond stupid, if you ask me. The biggest reason cyclists get hit is because either they go whipping through traffic or the other is that nobody can see them because they're not well lit. So put a light on them and let's have a control group, right, rather than just spending all this money. Anyway, you know about me and control groups, right? Control groups are everything. So let's go over here. Okay. More than 60% of college students prefer printed books. Okay, and there's a whole lot of story here. But among the students who prefer e-textbooks, 70% say the main reason for their preference is that e-textbooks are environmentally friendly. It doesn't use any power at all to watch my, to, to read my books on my computer or on my friend or on my phone. But the truth is, that, you know, these electronic devices that only last you a year because they don't have replaceable batteries, right, are taking rare earth minerals and putting them into garbage, which is not recycled, recycled because it's just trace amounts. And compared with paper, the contrast is amazing. Paper is made from infinitely renewable resource, trees grown, harvested and regrown in sustainably managed forests. The paper industry recycles more than 90% of its primary processing chemicals, cleans and returns more than 90% of the water it uses to the environment. There you go. And the rest is evaporated into the atmosphere or remains in the paper itself. Yeah, I remember having a little bit of warp paper on a big roto press. <laughs> yeah, the, when the humidity goes up, it can cause havoc in a printing press. Anyway, let's go on. Here's this apparel company, Pagania, or something like that. I don't know. I'm not into fashion. Pangea. Pan, maybe it's Pangea. Anyway, they are turning uh, air pollution into carbon, uh, into ink. And that's great. Um, they're taking CO2 out of the air, the fertilizer the plants need. And uh, they said for every kilogram of air ink that they build, uh, it will reduce carbon emissions by 800 grams. And I thought, well, okay, so two and a half pounds of ink is a lot, right? <laughs> I don't put two and a half pounds of toner in my copier more than about once a year. Maybe not even that. Probably that's about a three or four year supply, just to put it in perspective. So how much do you exhale in CO2 in a day? 
about a kilogram. So this is an, this is greenwash at its best, and it's ex, it's hard, it's expensive, it takes a long time, but we're saving the environment. Oh, give me a break. Use paper. Okay, uh, here's one you like as events and meetings keep going hybrid, which we're having our hybrid meeting next, not next week, but two weeks from yesterday, uh, Thursday, uh, the 14th of October, a webinar at, or not a webinar, at just a meetup. Uh, my friend Mary says they're a gold mine of meeting people. You meet the greatest people in the industry at no additional charge. She's a member. Support WDMA. Go join it and support what we do. Anyway, so imagine if we could have real-time sentiment read the room in the meetup, okay? Because personally, you know, when a meeting gets boring, I go check my email, and I still smile, and I still contribute to the meeting, and I'm flipping other screens. So basically, this thing lets the meeting organizer read how many people are checking their email or watching a YouTube video with the other headphone that you don't know is not connected to you or whatever else they're doing. A lot of things can be done in a real-time meeting that wouldn't even work in a, in, a, in a live meeting. So anyway, I think that's funny. I think it probably gets back to the general electric study of lighting and factory work. What they found was that if they, uh, when they, uh, they, they said, we're going to study, can we study lighting in your, in your factory? And so the, the company said, sure. So they increased the light in the, in the factory 10% and productivity went up. They increased it another 10% and productivity went up again. They increased it another 10% and productivity went up again. And then they thought, this is bizarre because they can, you know, it's almost like you need sunglasses now to work in the place. So then they took it down 10% and productivity went up again. There's the measurement factor. When you measure stuff, people notice and maybe they will pay attention. So if, if I knew, and of course, it does say that you can opt out right here. It says can opt out. But, um, and I would probably, but those opt-outs tell you something too, if you've run meetings before. So, <laughs> so I don't know, just the fact that you're spying on me, because what the app really does is it tells you what else is going on on their computer besides your meeting. Great idea. Okay, here's uh, an article from Campaigns and Election Delivering Authenticity. I always like that word especially when it's, when it's related to marketing. Marketing authenticity is one of those oxymorons you can't get past. How campaigns can leverage direct mail to build authentic connections. Okay, well, anyway, so the Postal Service did a report, and it says that building authentic connections is, is crucial to winning elections, and mail is the best way to build trust and reinforce other channels. Now... And I, I saw another article, but I couldn't track it down and I didn't save it, uh, that said that this coming election cycle will be one of the greatest uh, spend ever. Okay, People are gearing up to spend a lot and they're spending a lot on mail. So, And I know there's some political, um, there's some political marketing agencies that, that watch us occasionally like AB Data over on the other side of town. A couple of people were supposed to come from AB Data to our have a beer meetup. Anyway, focus groups say they use direct mail as a starting point for understanding the candidates. Campaigns can maximize direct mail's reach and take mail pieces from physical media and ex 
and experience to digital ones. And, you know, yesterday's article about, you know, if you're if you're mailing into a Hispanic community, the idea of having some Spanish makes tons of sense. But what I didn't say yesterday is when I get Spanish mailings in Spanish out where I live, where I don't think the Spanish percentage is like one one hundredth of one percent. I don't I occasionally do see people like in in uh, Culver's, you know, and I say hola and we have a little conversation. I don't speak much Spanish, but I do. I only had five years of it. <laughs> uh, Hispanic Americans said, oh, this was in today's article, said 64 percent said mail was the most memorable form of advertising for them. And while a third speaks Spanish, only a quarter received political mail in Spanish. I wonder I don't remember talking about it because I didn't. I didn't get to this one. Okay, which I think is an excellent differential here. I mean, it's, that's almost nothing. That's, man, that's really hitting it, if you ask me. <coughs> okay, but that's an excellent point, right? Now, half Americans said mail was the most memorable form of advertising during the last election. There's a lot of misinformation out there, and I think that we really need to understand the power of mail in our political process. The other thing I would like to see in political in the political process was who it, who would like to see a forensic audit of the 2016 election? Because, you know, for four years, claims were made about how fraudulent the 2016 election was, but nobody really counted the votes, re, went back and looked at the voting machines, although there were dozens and dozens of prominent Democrats who said that the voting machines were easily hacked. So I think we should audit the 2016 election and make sure Hillary wasn't the real winner because, you know, she's still got some life in her. And uh, so I'm actually all in for candidates who say they want to add authenticity by validating our election process, which I think is complete baloney, right? And, you know, in 2016, we had one party completely basically impeaching the president because of their claims of election fraud. And in 2020, they're... You know, trying to have everybody banned that even mentions it. So, actually, obviously, both parties are interested in it, but not interested enough to check it, which makes me wonder what's really going on. And you might be wondering, too. So, if you really want authenticity, you might want to be challenging our election process. And that would be a platform to run on. Scott Adams said he'd vote for whoever had that as their main platform plank, which I think is great. Okay, there's one more article, which is this is the actual report by the USPS on delivering uh, authenticity. And so this has got all the facts and nice graphs and all that sort of thing. And it basically says half the people like mail. And, you know, that's the funny part is back in the 80s in the golden age of catalogs, we we basically only meant mailed response lists because – Half the people didn't have credit cards. They couldn't even order remotely very well unless they wanted to write out a check and mail it in. And so, you know, we basically said half your mail is wasted unless you're unless you're mailing to mail positive people. Well, it's still mail positive people, but the interesting thing is you can still target them. There's still ways to target mail positive people. So have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye. <laughs>